Today, I want to switch gears. We've been talking about the book of Revelation for months on end, and we've been in a really heavy part of the book of Revelation. Uh, but there was this, this gap in, in my preaching calendar that, that allows for me to talk about something. I've actually preached on to uh, a college ministry before, but it, it has its foundations in what we did last year. So last year, for those of you that don't know, <clears throat> I taught through the book of John. And as I moved through the book of John, there was this theme that, that became really clear to me that I probably alluded to here and there, but, but never really uh, fleshed out in any meaningful way until I was invited to speak at this, this college ministries retreat. And I went down and I did four sermons on this topic and it was important and, and I'm actually uh, now have the opportunity to teach on it again for a, a, a retreat for high school kids in the Northwest, the high school and middle school kids that's coming up. And, and the topic I think is just so fundamentally important to basically every aspect of our lives. And that's why I think it was appropriate when I could get some kids away and discuss it. But I, I wanted to bring it up with you because it, it comes out of you know my time with you, preaching to you. And we never really dove any deeper into it, except for maybe alluding to it in a couple of sermons. And that is the topic of truth. Uh, the book of John, in the book of John, and just in John's writings in the New Testament, the topic of truth is a really big deal. And we, we live in a culture where, where it's just incredibly deceptive. I mean, we live in a deceptive world, and we don't have to look very far to think of that. Like, we actually have a term called catfishing where people pretend to you know look better or be cooler for online dating and then you show up and you've been catfished um i am so thankful that i did not date uh when the internet was how you dated i just would not have handled that very well um i would have been catfishing people like crazy uh just kidding uh, but i would not have handled that very well uh, but thankfully i was married before all of that and so so that that the fact that we have a term for that right it's like there's deception all around us the news, I mean, like, you just know that you don't, you don't get the full story. And I'm not talking about one news station. I'm talking about all the news stations. And, and even, like, I read headlines. And then, and then if you read the story after reading a headline, you're like, oh, that headline's not true at all. It was just, it was deceptive. I mean, it just deceived me. We have filters on all of our pictures that, you know, help with the catfishing thing and social media. I mean, people's lives often is and the way they portray their lives is, is one giant big deception. All the things that I talked about when we prayed right there, not being willing to share. I mean, if you look at social media, everybody's just on vacation all the time. That's all they do is eat good food and go on vacation and there's no problems for anybody. And so our, our world just seems to be set up to deceive us like it's just constant we we're always being deceived or at least the world and the people in it we're, we're all at least attempting to deceive one another in some way and and so like i think it's important to ask in a, in a culture like ours like is there any truth at all and if there is what is truth like can i trust anything and if so what is it what is truth now there's this other thing that you know, in this time in which we live where people seem to believe that truth is a relevant idea. And, and that is kind of what is talked about. I remember being in college and, 
And uh, I, I was, you know, in college in a, in a modern world. And I remember that, that we spent so much time talking about postmodernism, like when modernism would be dead and we live in this postmodern time. And, and I remember, and I'm just, just, you know, on the cusp where, where my kids, you know, the, and even people that are 10 years younger than me, they just have grown up in a postmodern world, but I was just a little bit older, right? And so we were talking about these postmodern ideas as though they were so far away. And, and some of them, one of them specifically, is that truth would be seen as relative, like what could be true to you would be seen as, you know, your truth, to use a phrase that we use, and, and, and truth could be different for me. And, and I remember thinking like, how, how could that ever be possible that we would live in a culture like that? Well, uh, it's very possible because that's now the culture that we live in. And, and, you know, I think there are good things about the postmodern world that we live in, let me be clear, I don't think that that is one of them. And we'll see why as we move through uh, the sermon today. Uh, I actually wrote when I, because I copied some of these notes over, okay, boomer, when I was talking to my, these collegiate students, because I know I sound like an old guy when I, when I talk about rem- remembering the modern world. And so like, you got to think like, well, is there any truth at all out there? Now, one of the things that becomes more and more the thing that people point to is is science. Like there seems to be this false dichotomy between religion and science and people will say, you know, like Christians don't trust science or whatever. And 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 I do. I like science. I'm thankful for science. I, uh, for the first time in my life, have uh, a, a physical problem that could kill me if it wasn't for modern science. And so I appreciate what modern science does for us, but at the same time, uh, we see that science is, is, is an ever-changing study, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, we now know that uh, the sun does not revolve around the earth, but the earth revolves around the sun, and people didn't used to think that. At one point in the world of science, they thought the world was flat, uh, and then we realized it wasn't. And, and to go a step further, more recently, I spent three months not taking ibuprofen because science said that it would make COVID worse. And so I was like yelling at anybody that thought about taking ibuprofen for a few months in 2020. Like, don't, do not, science says, do not take ibuprofen. And then somebody told me that they had, that science had changed within about two weeks on, on that issue. And I was just not taking ibuprofen for no good reason. And so, so like we, we, we go, yeah, like one plus one is two. That is true. But like we have deeper questions, right? And we can't look to science to find answers for those because science by its very nature, for as much as I appreciate the scientific field and those who do science, it is, a, it is something that changes by its very definition. You just have to take seventh grade science from Mr. Mann and you would have known that. Um, and yet we look at certain things in our world and we just kind of inherently know they are true. Like, here's one. Murder is bad. I think we just think that's true, right? Like, we go, well, that, that is true, and I, I don't know why I know it's true, but I believe it's true. C.S. Lewis, he writes this book called Mere Christianity, and, and this is a big premise in his book that, that we, we know things are wrong, and whether philosophically we, well, we would say, like, it's true that these things are wrong, we just feel it. And he uses this description, I think uh, it's been a while, but uh, of being on a bus and somebody punches you in the face and takes your wallet, and you 
know that you are right, that it is true when you declare that to be wrong. It's just true. And all of us, you know, I think, we think that it is important to find truth, but we're left with this question in post-modernity more and more where we go, well, what is truth? truth and it seems like there's a lot of people out there trying to find answers and and because you know i was gonna preach on this i went into this deep dive uh, because you you can guess where this is going for me i I think that god is the source of truth i'll just uh you know get it out there and and yet i i just wanted to know like well given all that i've learned and you know hear and see and think about like how do other people determine what is true man if you want to just be confused for a while like just google like how to determine truth how to find truth how to figure out what is true it is uh whoo it's a lot of it over my head so you just take this for what it's worth but um but i i read that i i went i've ended up on this contest where people were supposed to write essays to answer that question what is truth it was so philosophical that it just blew my mind like it was I'm not even going to try to repeat any of it to you because I I couldn't I would do terrible and the essay writers would be mad at me for my you know messing up their efforts but but for me and maybe you're maybe you probably are you're probably so much smarter than me and deeper thinker but for me it's like these very philosophical answers did not help me actually understand how people really figure out what is true Psychology today actually helped me more. It was a little less philosophical, uh, a, a little stupider, uh, you know, a little more my style. It, it helped me out a little bit. And, and they have all these different ways that, that people try to, to find truth. And, and I, I think it's helpful. I actually think that, it, that, that I'm going to read them to you. I think that, that it's a bit helpful. Uh, but as I read them, I would just point to you that, that some of them still leave you longing for a source of truth. Uh, it doesn't really get to the heart of the question of what is truth. And also, all of these things are flawed in some ways. Like, they're not, they're not reliable in many ways. Uh, so the foundational approach, which is just deduction. We just deduce things. We just keep boiling it down, and we end up with that which is true. The coherence approach, which is how things go together. So we know if you know A and B go together correctly, like we put it together like a puzzle, then we move towards truth. The correspondence approach, which is data, which is science, right? Like that's a way that we determine truth. The phenomenological approach, which is personal experience. So we experience it and then we determine whether something is true. The pragmatic approach, which is just like if something works, then it's true. Uh, Or if it's useful, that's the other side of that. If it's useful, then we can determine it to be true. The social construction approach, which is that which culture deems true, is true. And I think we live with a little bit of that right now, being kind of the the source of people's truth. And then the moral, ethical, aesthetic approach, which is that which is good. Now, even as I say that last one, I think it points to the problem of all of it because it's okay, okay, that which is good is true, but how do we determine what is good? right? And even if you go back, right, like we've seen that co- we can, we could dissect all of these in some ways. And, and culture, I mean, I hate to just pull the Nazi card, but Nazi Germany decided that some things were, um, 
you know, good that all of us look at and go, nope, wasn't good, even if their society and culture deemed them to be good. I mean, what does working even mean? We could just go down the list. And, and so I, I actually think that these things are helpful. I, I think that I'm glad that I know them now from studying this sermon, but they still don't get to the heart of that, which is truth, which is totally reliable. And frankly, I don't think it's the way that any of us actually determine that which is true. I have some other ideas. Uh, and, and, and this is more in line with what I think we, the, the average person, the average person like myself, begins to find their truth from, to, to learn truth from. Uh, the first is intuition. I think that we just, we often rely on our guts, you know, like, well, that doesn't seem right. And, and I, I think that partly because of how God created us, sometimes that works. But I read this book called Freakonomics. And, and Freakonomics, great book, loved it. Um, very interesting. Chapters are just so different. And, and he gets to the end and he says, if there's any, if there's any connecting theme to this book that you have just read, it's that your intuition can lie to you. You know, like it's just common sense is not that sensible when you look at the data. Now there's a data guy, right? Like saying we find truth from data, economic professor at University of Chicago, one of the top economics programs in America, probably the world. And so he's pulling from the data, but he's like, that's it. Um, a lot of people feelings, right? Like we just don't feel like something's right. And, and where I can see this being a problem is, is when, when people get depressed, like really depressed, their feelings lie to them. And people begin to think, believe, understand is true that nobody cares about them or that they don't really matter. But we know that's a feeling telling a lie in many ways. Majority Nazis, you know, like it's just the majority is not always right. In fact, in many cases in our world's history, it's wrong. Uh, what works? I think we find truth in that. The proof is in the pudding kind of mentality. But it's still, like, what does it even mean to work? And then, and this is scary for me. This one's the scariest one of all. And I, I think that as I look out of all of you, all of you are too smart to fall into this trap. But so many people base their, their understanding of what is true just on celebrity right? Like they just inherently trust what the media is telling them or what the, the famous person on Instagram or TikTok is telling them. And, and man, if, you, if your base of truth is, I mean, that, like that's, that's dangerous, right? Because now you're just trusting somebody that's finding their truth from some source that probably isn't true either. And, and, and here is like just, I think I have lived long enough just in my own life to see that, that it is important for us to think about how we are determining that which is true because I've lived long enough to see big time cultural, societal norms, things that everybody just kind of said, well, that's true, that's okay, that's good, really be wrong. I mean, we, I mean you can look, right over here, just right here, and see a spot where a mental hospital was, 
where, where they tortured people with mental illnesses because society and all of the sources of truth said this is the way to fix somebody who has a mental problem, right? I mean, not, I mean, it's not that long ago in our society. This is what we just, this is what we did to people that that's minds weren't quite working in the way that we thought they should work. That is, that is scary. And, and, it, and it calls us to say like, we should really be thinking about how we determine that which is true. On a, on a lighter side, I've seen this, this giant change. And, and I think this one's actually, I, I think this one's good too, but maybe more underrated. Um, do, do you remember like uh, 10 years ago when, when comedians could just be racist, misogynistic, you know, joke tellers? And, and, and our society told us, like, this is okay, this is good. Like, the, the truth that we lived under is, I mean, hopefully not you and me, but Christians, you know, I think hopefully we were out in front of this. Like, that, that terrible sexual joke about women, like, that's not good. The truth is that it's not good. But our society was okay with it. It was funny. Everybody laughed along. And now these, these same people, if it's recorded, right, they're in trouble now because the truth has shifted on them. The truth has changed. And I hate thinking that we might live in a world where truth is an ever-changing, ungraspable, metaphysical thing. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible, in fact, says that we can know that which is true. We'll come back to that, but here it is in the book of John. I'm just going to read you some things, but I want to start with the question. And if you were paying attention, you know the Bible, you know the story of Jesus, you know I've already asked the question. It's in the scriptures. John 18, 37 and 38, Jesus is on trial, about to be killed. The things that we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks. And he's having this conversation with a guy named Pilate. And it says, Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate says, what is truth? What is truth? Now here's what's interesting. He asked this very important question, right? Like a question that I've hopefully, I've spent, you know, 10 minutes laying the groundwork for this question. Like what is truth? And he asked this incredibly important question. And it's so ironic because if you're following along in the book of John, if you're paying attention to this book at all, if you're just to, to read it straight through, you would know that John has made a big deal out of truth and at the center of that issue, what is truth? The answer is Jesus. And so here is Pilate standing in front of the person that can be called truth. And he asked this deep question that I think every human heart longs to have answered for them. But he does it in this way that is so dismissive. He's like, what is truth? He moves on. It's almost as if he's just trying to get out of this conversation with Jesus. He doesn't want to deal with it. And so he poses this question. And the proper response for John, or excuse me, Pilate would have been to go, what is truth? And then just to shut up and let Jesus talk for a while. But it's like the moment just passes without anything coming of it except for us to be able to learn from it all these years later. If you were to read through the Gospel of John, you would see that Jesus is full of truth. Grace and truth come through Jesus. If you live by the truth, you come to the light. We worship in truth. John testified to the truth 
Jesus. The truth will set us free. Jesus will set us free. Satan has no truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. We are sanctified by the truth. God's word is truth. John has laid forward this incredible picture of truth in the scripture and here is Pilate like man I don't want to deal with what Jesus just said what is truth you know like let's get out of this this author Bastian Ogan I believe is how you say it says John sees truth as an absolute concept incompatible with relativism or 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 pluralism it is deeply christocentric centered on christ but also trinitarian this means it is intellectual and factual but at the same time deeply personal relational and active and so here is the answer the first answer from the book of john what is truth and the answer is god is truth and that which comes from god is true now Here's the thing that you need to pay attention to as I say that. Truth is not God. People flip this on their heads. And in some ways, I think this is one of the great debates of our society today. We've, we've in some ways made truth God. But what the Bible teaches is that God is truth, not that truth is God. And, and as an extension of that, as I said, uh, God and what he gives us, what he does, what he tells us, what he has written for us in his word, that is true Two. You could picture it as a, as a source, right? And, and, and what we have in our society today is really uh, sources of truth, but they are partly true oftentimes, and they're muddied up, they're, you know, there's dirt in them, there's a lot of untruth, there's a lot of deception. And so when we drink, if you were to picture two pictures, if we, when we drink from, from these sources of truth, we get pieces of truth, we get parts of truth, but it is tainted and it is deceptive because it is not fully true. But when we drink from the source that is God, because he is truth, perfect truth, that which comes from him is also true. John 3.33 says, whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. God is truthful. I don't mean to be a naysayer, but I look around, and like I said, I'm coming up on 40, I talked about that, and, and as I come up on 40 years old, I've lived long enough to see that most of the things, all the things that we really look at around us and say, that is stable. Like there's no way that we'll ever change our minds on that. They're really just not that stable. And so in my soul and in my heart and in my being, I want something that is always truthful. And I think you do too. And what John is saying is that that source is God. But that's not all. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them. This is Jesus praying for his disciples, both the ones that he walked on earth with and the ones who would come after you and I, who are Christians. He's praying for us and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctification, if you don't know, is a, is a fancy word for you know, all of these other things that we say, like growing as a Christian, being refined, you know, moving forward, uh, improving our walk. That's how we said it when I was like a young adult and first got serious about my faith. Like my walk could be better. I don't know why we said it that way, but that's how we always said it. This is Christian growth, becoming more like Jesus uh, in 
growing in the fruits of the Spirit or producing more of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, growing closer to God in the divine nature and, and the spiritual moral attributes that, that we possess. This is what sanctification is. And Jesus is praying and saying, God, let us let them be sanctified by your truth. Now, I want you to, I just want to read to you some of the fruits of the Spirit and, and some of the divine nature. And, and you just think about, about this and growth, like joy and peace and hope and love and the avoidance of sin and grace and patience and goodness and gentleness. And, and what he's saying is that he wants that for us. And then he talks about a source and the source is truth. He says, sanctify them. And he says, by your truth or by your word, your word is truth. That's what he says. Now, there has been a rejection more and more in our society. I think we can all agree on this of the idea of the Bible being true. Just generally speaking, I mean, we've always had people who would say the Bible is not true, uh, and that's the word of God. We've always had people that would say that, but the, we've had a growing number of people. And even within the church, and within, hopefully not our church, but the church, there's been a rejection of Scripture as true, and often it's, it's painted and talked about, like, just simply, we just say, like, well, you know, not, not we, let me say, they say, like, well, that was written for a different time and a different generation. What does that say? That says it's not quite true for us today, right? And so just think about America, and I would just ask, like, as we've moved away from the idea of the Bible being true, do you see more or less peace in our country? Do you see more or less joy in our country? Do you see people treating each other better or worse in our country? Do you see people's mental health getting better or worse in our country? It seems clear to me as Jesus prays this for his disciples, sanctify them by your word, your word is truth. It seems so clear to me as I look around that the more our country rejects the Bible as true on a broad level, the worse it gets. And oftentimes it's done in the name of improving our culture. Like we want to get better. We want to be nicer to people. We want to show everybody love. And I'm, I think we should love everybody. But when we do it and we reject truth, it's just so clear to me. The evidence is so clear to me that things get worse. Things get worse. And I would say this is true in your life too, personally. The less you hold to the truths of scripture, the worse your life will get. And oftentimes, I mean, this is what happens with, with Christians. They're, they're like, I, I, I just want God to leave me alone almost. I, I'm gonna reject some of that stuff so they can live the way that I wanna live and do the things that I wanna do and not have to feel guilty after I do this thing or that thing or whatever it might be. And, and I'll tell you, it does not make people's lives better. It doesn't. Sometimes it leads to terrible tragedy, not always. People keep going on sometimes and they do fine, but it never makes people's lives better. And to talk about the truth of scripture would be a different conversation for a different day. I've found the Bible in my years to be reliable. I believe that it was inspired by God 
written by men and it, it's just for my life and you know in my years it has proved true to me but that's a different subject for a different day i'll just say that the book of john makes very clear that god is truth and as an extension of that the words that he gives us are true too now, as I think about all those other sources of truth, like how do we determine truth? How are you determining truth? The Bible becomes so important to me because all those other things seem so flawed. They're really smart, you know, like that people would ever think of these philosophical ideas. Like, they, like I said, they're so much smarter than me. But even for this guy with his average IQ, I can see the flaws in them. And so I go, I want a source that is true. I want something I can look at and stake my life on. And what the gospel of John says is that's God's word. And it makes sense to me that if God is true, but, but, but I, you know, he's not gonna talk to me every day, that he would leave me something so that I can determine truth. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that like one plus one is two. You know, like we don't find, you know, like some of these questions about how things work. Like we don't know why the sky is blue because of the Bible. That's, it's not in there. But for the deepest, most important questions that we want truth about, how did I get here? Why are so many things messed up? Is there any hope because all of this stuff is messed up? Does my life have any purpose? Do I really matter? Do I really matter considering the family, the life that I've, family I've come from and the life I've lived? What happens when I die? The Bible answers all those questions, I think, better than any other thing. And I trust that it's true because it comes from God and he is truth. But John's not done with that because we see these other things. And this isn't in order in the book of John. But in John 1.14, the word Jesus became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If Jesus is fully God and fully man, if he comes from the father, then it would make sense that in in every way, he is the embodiment of truth. He, he, he declares in John 14, 6, says Jesus answered, this is a very famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and often when we read that verse and we think about that verse, we, we focus on him being the only way to the Father, the only way to salvation. And that's an important part of that verse, an important uh, truth in that verse. But we forget that Jesus declares himself to be the truth. And so we can look at the life of Jesus and we can see that which is true. Now, oftentimes, Christians who claim to follow Jesus, we make a mess of truth. I mean, I, I see this a lot of times in our society today where um, in many ways, one is our attachment to uh, political ideologies, but we, we can throw out that which is true, like something I've talked about recently, loving our enemies and praying for them and giving a cold cup of water to people that are persecuting and hurting us. And we can flip it on, our, our, on, it, on the side and say like, well, I'm just gonna fight back 
You know, you punch me, I'll punch you harder. You hit me in one cheek, I'll hit you in the, your cheek too, which is not the way in which Jesus lived and talked. And often what happens is that we people outside of Christianity, they look at our Christian mistakes, and I, you know, I, I do things wrong too, and, and they go, well, it must not be true. Now, sometimes they look at us and we're standing for truth and they say, well, that must not be true because I don't like it. Well, there's nothing we can do about that. We need to keep holding to truth. But sometimes they look at Christians and say, well, that, that seems bad to me. And they're right because sometimes we don't hold to truth. But the life of Jesus, my goodness, at every step of the way, he showed us what truth is like. And if you're one of those people outside of Christianity, you wrestle with what Christians look like. You won't like some of what Christianity stands for. Probably that's okay with me. But if you want to know what truth looks like, the embodiment of truth, it's the life of Jesus. And you can read all about it in the books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. But there's more. There's one more thing. So important. John 14, 15 through 18 says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be, and he will be in you. So two things I wanna draw your attention to. The first is that Christians, we who are Christians, we know the Holy Spirit because he lives in us. The Bible is clear that when we become Christians, God's spirit indwells us. What that looks like, you know, I don't know. As a kid, you picture like a little Jesus living inside your heart or whatever. I don't that's not it. Um, but like we, he indwells us. He becomes a part of us. He comes inside of us. That's a big deal. But notice the title, the spirit of truth. Truth. The spirit of truth, if you're a Christian, indwells you, is inside of you. But this comes up again in John 15, 26, when the advocate, another name for the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Two more things that I would point to you. The Spirit comes inside of you because God sends him. And what is God? He is truth. And so you have something in you that is truth. And he testifies about Jesus. And we know that this is important. If it's not testifying to Jesus, then it's not true. The Bible tells us to test the spirits. And one of the big things that it tells us to look for is if it's not pointing to the truth of Jesus, if these spirits are not pointing to the truth of Jesus, then they're not, they're not from God. But the spirit points us to Jesus. Now there's one more, John 16, 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you. This is Jesus talking more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. You will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you, the spirit of truth. Again, it seems that Jesus did not want his disciples to miss this point. We are indwelled as Christians by the spirit and the spirit is the spirit of truth. And he guides us, notice this, into all the truth. Man, what a beautiful thing. As we live in a fallen, deceitful world to know 
that as Christians, we are indwelled by the Spirit, and the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and He is guiding us and leading us into all the truth. And notice, I called it Trinitarian as I read that quote from the guy's name, who's hard to remember earlier. It's Trinitarian because we see the Father is truth, and we see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we see that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And they're all working on our behalf so that we might know what is true in a deceptive world. Now, how does the Spirit do this? It's a great question. Number one thing, I think, is that he inspired the Scriptures. And that comes back to what we've talked about already. 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit 